Christ, uh, take your Bible and turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, for a humble sermon about boasting. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. So I want to start off with a question. Can a person be both humble and boastful at the same time? In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31, Paul teaches the ancient and the modern church how to think about this idea of boasting, what we should pride ourselves in. It is my goal today that chapter 1, verse 31 is true of all of us as we leave. That is the goal of my sermon. Uh, and the Lord uh, kindly and graciously this week has worked on my own heart to strip away a few things that, that I begin to boast in or have boasted in and to boast only in him. So, I'll have three basic points, as you'll see on your outline at the back of your bulletin. Boasting, number one, accomplishes nothing when placed in worldly status. It will accomplish nothing. Two, boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ was part of God's sovereign choice in eternity. And three, Boasting is good when placed in the Lord, which should give you the answer to my question. Mankind has and often does boast in a lot of things. And of course, we have been tempted and sinned sometimes ourselves in boasting in a lot of things. Obviously, we have boasted of money. And it is easy for mankind, the more money you make, the more you might be tempted to boast in it. Uh, you may make millions and millions of dollars, but yet it will simply pass away one day and go to someone else. We can boast of physical beauty or charm and, and spend millions and millions of dollars or perhaps billions and billions of dollars uh, throughout our country or throughout the world on, on looking good and, and fashion, and we can boast and, and try to show off all of our physical beauty only to see it each and every time fade away like a flower. We can boast of how smart we are, debating on whether God exists or not, debating things about the world, only to show ourselves that no matter how smart we are, we can still end up living a life of sin and of self-destruction. And then we can boast upon how physically strong we are. Some of us may grow up and be very, very strong and realize that we can beat the next guy very easily and boast in that, only to realize later that the strength fades and now someone else can beat us. There are all kinds of things the world will offer you and say, boast in this. Put your hopes and dreams in this. But wisdom will show us that upon closer inspection of whatever this is, that it's going to fall short. You actually cannot boast in it, even if you boast in it just for a moment. 
It is no longer worthy of boasting. Now, Paul gives us wisdom. He tells us about the wisdom of God in this passage of Scripture as we think about how to boast in this world. And just a quick clarification on wisdom, because you have wisdom of God, and in verse 26, um, the wise according to worldly standards, or uh, wisdom of the world, or wisdom according to the flesh. So what I'm not talking about here, if I refer to wisdom, I'm not talking about basic knowledge. For example, of, of how a pilot flies an airplane, right? He has to have basic knowledge on how to fly the plane. That's not the type of wisdom I'm talking about. In fact, uh, I was flying this uh, week, um, and I'm very, very thankful that that pilot has the knowledge to land that machine. I don't know how he does it, but to land that machine, I'm very thankful he has that knowledge. That's not the type of, of worldly knowledge we're talking about here. We're talking about worldly knowledge without a reference to God. Just some merely human wisdom that thinks that we don't need God in our wisdom. Or, or some sort of wisdom that says, uh, you know, if the speaker is a great speaker, then it must be true what he's saying. Whether he refers to God or not, if he speaks well, it must be true. That's a worldly wisdom. And God has shown how foolish worldly wisdom can be. Because, in fact, God made the world and those who are in it. Now, when Paul is talking about the wisdom of God and boasting in the Lord, he's talking more broadly here about the message of the cross. Chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, For the word of, cro of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And then in verse 23, he says, we preach Christ crucified. So this is the context that Paul uses to talk about boasting, the context of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ for us. Now he talks about the crucifixion, and in verse 24 says, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So there are some people who are going to look at the cross and they're going to think that that's, that's foolish, that you can't believe it, that the cross can save mankind from our sins, and they won't believe it. And Paul talks about those who are called to salvation. So then in verse 26, that's why he shifts to calling. He mentions calling in verse 24. Now he's going to say, brothers and sisters, consider when God called you to become a Christian. Like Corinth, I would say today, most of us, perhaps even all of us, when we were called to be a Christian, we were not part of the rich and famous. Probably not most of us. I certainly was not part of the rich and famous when God called me uh, to his son and to salvation. And so Paul explains that we had no claim to fame when God called us. And so, why would we boast in those things? Why would we boast in any worldly standard now that we are Christians? 
now that God has called us to salvation. So in verse 26, boasting accomplishes absolutely nothing when placed in worldly status. Nothing. And it's helpful that Paul gets specific. Because I really like to process and think about what God says when he's very specific. So in verse 26, he says, worldly wisdom, being powerful, being of noble birth, maybe you were the son of a king. He specifically calls all of these things out. And then in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, he adds to the list, let not the rich man boast in his riches. So not only power and wisdom and a noble birth, Jeremiah 9 adds money and riches. And what God has done is he's taking all of these things that the world is tempted to place all of their stock in, and he renders it powerless. It's of no use. God in his wisdom just renders it powerless. So why would we boast in it? It is completely powerless. So I want us to consider for a moment, what is it in your heart that you are boasting in? You specifically, as an individual, what is it at the end of the day that you want to set all your hopes and dreams upon? It's probably slightly different for all of us but probably all in the same general categories, that this is what we boast in. That we are tempted to focus on this instead of Christ crucified. And what we can do, we can start out by examining our hearts and then going, you know what, upon closer inspection, that's actually not really all that impressive. Uh, the other day, um, I was exercising, doing push-ups and sit-ups, and of course, you know, you've got YouTube and all these people that will boast in how strong they are, and they're going to the gym to work out. They're placing all of their hopes and dreams, you know, on the weights that they're putting, you know, in their hands. And uh, I looked at my—I I think I get this story right. Uh, my wife can probably— tell the more accurate story by memory here. So I'm sitting there at my house, I'm doing push-ups and sit-ups, and I look at my four-year-old, and I said, hey, I'll bet you I can do more sit-ups than you can count, because he's four. <laughs> and he's like, go ahead, daddy. And so I started doing sit-ups, and he starts counting, one, two, three, and my four-year-old's pretty good at counting. So I couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't do as many sit-ups as he could count. So all of these things that we might boast in, upon closer inspection, they're really not all that impressive. My count for push-ups and sit-ups just isn't all that impressive. Maybe my two-year-old would actually think it's impressive. God has chosen what is worthy to boast in. He has selected it for us. So what is it that we're putting our boast in? God has chosen, and exhibit A, he chose one of the world's most shameful events for us to boast in. And of course, that is the cross of Christ. So verse 27 through 29, 
We see that boasting in the cross was part of God's sovereign choosing because he's referring to the foolish things in the world, which includes the cross, and that is what God is using to shame the wise, to shame the strong, to render everything powerless. In fact, you see a progression, a couple of things in verses 27 through 29. You see these things in the plural. The foolish things in the world is plural. The weak things are plural. The low and despised in the world are plural. All of these things in the world, and then the progression between foolish to weak to lowly to despised or worthless, and then basically Paul says, if I haven't got my point across, even the things that are, even, are not, they just don't even exist, basically. The, God can use things that just aren't to then make powerless things that are. Because God, in his wisdom, he made the world, he knows how the world runs, and he can operate the world as he chooses. So he chose to render powerless all these things that are, are that we'll boast in. He'll even use things that are not to render powerless the things that are. Why? Why would he do that? And we'll get there in just a moment. But as we're thinking there here in verses 27 through 29 about these things that God is using to render everything powerless so that we would not boast in it, I mentioned a second ago Jeremiah adds riches and money to this list. Why should we not boast in money? That's probably one of the main things that the world is going to offer to you and say, hey, if you have enough money, everything will be okay. If you just have enough money, everything will be okay. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I love the sound of swishing pages. It's fantastic. James chapter 1. You, you can't get that with the iPad. You can't get the swish of pages. That. James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Did you see what happened to the rich man? How many examples could I provide throughout world history of the rich man fading away in the midst of his pursuits? I could literally just go down the list. American history alone. How many millionaires and billionaires have there been through American history? Plenty. And what happened to them? They faded away, oftentimes in the midst of their pursuits. It's not as though they made their million and then went to retire to the countryside. A lot of them just kept pursuing, kept pursuing, kept pursuing, and faded away in the midst of their pursuits. In this case, it was, it was having money without any reference to God. Because I'm not saying having money is bad. It, it's they're being rich and they're collecting money, no reference to God whatsoever. And they're placing all of their boast, all of their hope 
and just saying, I just need one more dollar, just one more dollar, and boasting in that. And then that's what happens. Instead, Paul in Galatians 6 says, I will boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is Paul's boast. So why, turn back to 1 Corinthians again. So why would God do this? Why? Why would God use things that are lowly or just aren't to make powerless all these things that are for us to boast in? Why would he do that? Verse 29, so that no human being, everybody, no human being might boast in the presence of God. That's why God did it. That is the reasoning. And of course, we, we smooth it out for gr- English and grammatical reasons, but literally this reads, so that not boast all flesh before God. Obviously, we're not going to translate it that way. It's, it's awkward. But so that not boast all people before God. Paul is saying, whether Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, strong or weak, not a single person in the universe will be able to stand before God one day and boast in worldly things. There will be no boasting before God. It will not happen. God has chosen and declared boasting will not happen in his presence except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we're tempted and we're, we're going through the day, and we see all of these things that are pulling at us. Go put your hopes and your dreams in this. Go boast in this. Remind ourselves, on Judgment Day, there will be no boasting before God. In fact, John Calvin helpfully says it this way, quote, For in the presence of the world... Many delight themselves for the moment in a false glorying, which however quickly vanishes like smoke. At the same time, by this expression in God's presence, all mankind are put to silence when they come into the presence of God. As Habakkuk says, let all flesh keep silence before God. Let everything therefore that is at all deserving of praise be recognized as proceeding from God, end quote. He's saying, the world, whatever you boast in, just like smoke, it's going to be gone. But we can boast in the Lord. Verse 29, the reason God does this in verse 29, this idea of boasting in the context of God's presence is referring to the judgment of God. Where does Paul get this? He got it from the ancient wisdom of the prophet Jeremiah. Turn back with me again to Jeremiah 9 that we read earlier. You'll notice in Jeremiah 9, it looks a lot like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, etc. in Jeremiah 9. But after that section that Paul is basically quoting, in verse 25... Through 26, Jeremiah talks about the judgment of the nations. So why is it that Jeremiah is talking about boasting and then referring to the judgment of the nations altogether? And it's because of this. Because this idea 
of what you boast in is related to the final judgment. It's connected in Jeremiah 9, and Paul connects it again in 1 Corinthians 1. Where is this world heading to? Well, God, who delights in righteousness in the earth, will, of course, one day judge the earth. And so when I'm, when I'm urging you on what you're boasting in, this is not a self-help kind of sermon. It's not a, this is a really good idea for us to do. This is God will judge the world. God has chosen what we boast in. So we have to flee the temptation of what the world says here, boast in this. And then in the wisdom of God, we see how foolish that is. And we say, God, I boast in what you have chosen for me to boast in. So then when we stand before God, and the only boast is in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, we say, yes, that's what I boasted in in my life. When I lived my life, my boast was in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that is what judgment day looks like. And so, how should we do this? Turning back to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 through 31 then says, how should we boast in Christ? How should we boast in the cross? And verses 30 through 31, again, my goal for us today is for each and every person, every one of us, because remember, God just said all flesh, each and every one of us to leave here and say, my boast is only in the Lord. That's it. Nothing else. My boast is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So verses 30 through 31, let's read it one more time. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, boast in the Lord as opposed to what? Right over in chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 21 says, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. So the temptation is to boast in people, in other people. But Paul says, but wait a minute, everything belongs to you, because everything belongs to Christ, you are in Christ, therefore everything belongs to you, so why would you boast in any of it? Especially a particular person like Paul or Apollos. He says, let nobody boast in men, but we boast in the Lord. Why? Because of the spiritual blessings of the new covenant. So these four things that are listed are part of the spiritual blessings of the new covenant that we are in. So when we take the Lord's Supper next week as part of our celebration of the new covenant, these are part of the blessings. They are wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. So let's think about these for a moment. What is wisdom? It is the capacity to understand and function accordingly. That is, according to God in this world. Because you have the worldly wisdom that we've spoken about versus what God says. The worldly wisdom will lead you, again, to boast in worldly things. God's wisdom says, boast in 
Jesus. And the latter is a gift. Over here, it's work, 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 earn, 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 and then boast in it and see what I did. Right? Here's how many push-ups and sit-ups I did. Be impressed by me. Right? But here in Christ, it's a gift. I receive it by faith. And then with the eyes of faith, I see what is really good and true and real and everlasting. You have to have the eyes of faith to see it. If you walk around the world, you will just see the physical world and what it has to offer. Jesus gives you faith in the eyes of faith, and you're going, wait a minute. What is everlasting here? What is eternal? What's not going to fade away after I fade away? So we receive wisdom from God in the world. We receive righteousness, of course, a right standing before a holy God so that there's no condemnation. I mentioned judgment day. In Jesus, there's just no condemnation. You're righteous. Notice in verse 30, it says, Christ Jesus, who became to us righteousness. Or another way to put it is, Christ Jesus, who became for us righteousness. He did it for us. We did not have righteousness in ourselves, so we needed it done for us in the cross. And not just that, but Jesus for us is also sanctification. Now, what is sanctification? It's where we are made holy in Jesus. Again, it is a gift. We receive it. We are sanctified in Christ Jesus. We are cleansed, and we're able to walk holy lives in Jesus because we receive that sanctification. Wisdom from God shows us about the sanctification, how to live not a foolish life, but a wise life. You can be rich, powerful, noble in the world, and still live a foolish life that will self-destruct. Again, I, I could have plenty of examples, couldn't I? I could just go through all the rich and powerful and famous people who have millions and billions and say, now look at what we've done foolishly with our lives, with that. But in Christ Jesus... He's given us wisdom for sanctification where we live lives of holiness, not in and of ourselves, but in Jesus. He's done it for us. We will live holy lives in Jesus. Doesn't mean that we won't have difficulties. Doesn't mean we won't have the natural troubles of life, but that through it, we can glorify God. That we can say, God, this is really difficult right now, but what's the right thing to do? Did you know that sometimes the right thing to do actually will get you in trouble in the world. You know that? You can be at work, you can do the right thing, the sanctified thing, and you're in trouble for it. You know why? If you're at a job where everybody else does the wrong thing, they really don't like you doing the right thing. Okay, so I'm not saying sanctified, holy living, it's just going to make your life easy. But it will glorify God. You will lay your head down at night and praise God and give him glory, and he'll be glorified, even though it will be difficult. Verse 
Just for a, a second quote here from Calvin, he really helpfully puts this. He says, of all the blessings that are here, he says, we must seek in Christ not the half or merely a part, but the entire completion. I you to think about this. This was just fascinating to me. I'm reading the scripture, you know, and it's good to read other people just to help you think about the scripture. And you have these spiritual blessings, and he says, don't just seek half of it, but the entire completion. In other words, don't just seek Christ for the righteousness and the redemption. Seek him also for the wisdom and the sanctification. Because all of these blessings are ours. We, we were not just given half of the blessings of the new covenant. We were given all of the blessings of the new covenant. And that includes holy living. That includes sanctification. So let us enjoy those blessings, glorify God in the world by living a sanctified life in Christ. And finally, more specifically on redemption, what does redemption mean? I think a lot of people would read the Bible and say, I have no idea what redemption means. That's, that's a word, you don't typically hear it. What does redemption mean? Here's what it means. Being free from sin. When you read that you are blessed with redemption, it means you have been set free from sin and you are freed from sin. And often when you see redemption in the Bible, the broader context is the cross of Christ, the death of Christ. That's typically what is being spoken about. Because the death of Christ paid for our freedom from sin. We are free. You are free from sin in Christ. Of course we're not going to go and live in sin any longer. I'm free from that. And of course, Pastor Blair has been preaching and teaching through the gospel according to Matthew about the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. And when I was thinking about redemption here, and I was thinking about what Christ did to pay for our redemption from sin, in Matthew 26 and 27, here's what really stuck out at me when I was thinking about the suffering of Jesus Christ. Fifteen times in Matthew 26 and 27, Jesus is either betrayed or delivered over. In fact, it's the same word, 15 times. Just in different contexts, you would either translate it betrayed or delivered over. But over and over again, Matthew is saying Jesus was delivered over. Jesus was betrayed. He was delivered over to the hands of sinful men. He was betrayed by one of his own, Judas. So Jesus willingly let himself be betrayed by one of his own. He willingly let himself be delivered over under Pilate to crucifixion. He willingly let himself be delivered over. Why? To free you, to free me from sin. That's why he did it. Jesus Christ freed you from sin. Why would we live in it any longer? And why would we boast in it? In fact, the world will sometimes boast in things that are sinful. They will call evil good and boast in it. But as the people of God, with the wisdom of God, we say, Jesus has freed me from that. Jesus was delivered over. 
for my salvation. So the kindness and the grace of God, why would then God do that? So we saw the earlier purpose of nobody boasts before him. Now why would God do that? Give us the redemption in Christ Jesus. The last verse, verse 31, shows us again another why. So that, as it is written, using the ancient wisdom of Jeremiah, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jeremiah 9.24 says this, But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So, to kind of start to wrap it all up. Will you boast in the Lord? Will you, Dad, boast in the Lord at home, at work? Will you, Mom, boast in the Lord when you're raising your children? Will you, single man or single woman, will you say, I boast in the Lord every day. Lord, use my ransom life any way you choose, as we sing. Younger generation who has everything ahead of you, you've got the beauty and the strength, all the things that go along with a younger generation. Will you say, I'm not going to boast in that. I will boast in the Lord. I will remember my creator in the days of my youth. Older generation, Will you say, here, my Lord, I will boast in you. I have, I have a little more time. Where can I serve you? I will boast only in you. My generation saying, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm right in the middle. I have no idea what I'm doing or where I'm going. But you know what? I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'll glorify him wherever I go. I will boast in the Lord. Are we listening to the ancient wisdom of the prophet Jeremiah? I think one reason we don't always think about this is because we're not reading Jeremiah. You read Jeremiah, you're going to come across chapter 9, and you're going to go, you know what? Yes, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. The Lord has spoken ancient wisdom through Jeremiah. Now, with all of this talk and rightly so, about keeping our focus on the Lord and boasting on Him, there are times where our eyes come back to ourselves, we are doing the work of the Lord, and you say, Alex, well, how do I think about myself? Who, who am I? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord signed to each. We're servants. We're servants of the Lord. That's how we should think of ourselves. In fact, he says it again in chapter 4, verse 1. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And so as we're doing the work of the Lord, we're working in the Lord, and we are servants of the Lord. So when you think about yourself and how you should view yourself, um, really big side note here when I was thinking about this, it's really not related, 
to this sermon. This, this isn't a marriage sermon. I've been married about 10 years, and last night I kind of had one of those light bulbs because I'm thinking about preaching this morning. And I said, you know what? As husband and wife, you know what we should be doing? We should be asking the other, how may I serve you? Oh, I got really quiet. How may I serve you? Husband? I just give you a little challenge. Sometime today, tomorrow, look at your wife and go, dear, how may I serve you? And then wife, look at your husband the next couple of days and go, dear, how may I serve you today? Because whatever your role is in life, and you can apply it to everything else we do, everything else we are in life, the Bible says you are a servant of Christ. That is who you are. We boast in the Lord, and we are servants of Christ. So here's how I would like for us to end our time this morning. I pray for a holy moment. And I'm going to ask you in a moment to bow your heads, and what I want to pray over you and for you is a prayer of humility for Providence Baptist Church. So bow your heads, please. Father in heaven, we pray through the name of the Lord Jesus in the Spirit. And, oh Lord, you are all wise and you are almighty. So God, I pray that you would peel away the temptation and any boasting of us when it comes to worldly wisdom. I pray that you would peel that away. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would peel away any boasting in physical strength. Lord, peel away also the boasting in money. I pray that you would do a work in the hearts of every person sitting here today, that you would not only peel away what they boast in, but that you would replace that boast with a boast in the cross. That Jesus, you suffered for us, that you died on the cross, you were buried, and you rose again. So let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So I pray that for us, and we give you praise. We are your servants. In Jesus' name, amen.